received a letter from uh, Jeff Jeremiah, who's the stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, uh, about one of our missionaries who has been arrested uh, in Turkey. Um, And I want to read this letter for you this morning. Thank you for your ongoing concern and persistent prayers for Andrew and Noreen Brunson in Turkey. He has been detained now for 40, 58 days without charges being filed against him, which is a violation of Turkish law, which declares that a person shall not be held without charges for more than 30 days. Andrew is the only American incarcerated in Turkey in the aftermath of the failed coup attempt. Since October, EPC leadership has been working with the U.S. Embassy in Ankara, Turkey, as well as uh, U.S. Senate and House leadership. In addition, we have interacted in person with the Turkish Embassy in Washington. Our intent has been to honor the Brunson's desire that this situation be resolved quietly with the goal of Andrew's release and return to the United States. This situation is now at a critical juncture. Early next week, a major U.S. government leader is scheduled to meet with a high official in the Turkish government. We have sent a letter to that U.S. government official thanking him for employing the full capacity of his position to resolve the situation and expressing our support for Andrew. That letter outlines the facts of the situation relays some discussions that we have had with Turkish officials and reinforces the humanitarian and spiritual, not political, nature of the Brunson's work. It would be wonderful if with one voice all 606 churches of the EPC prayed for Andrew, his family, and in particular for this important meeting. Will you please do this in your worship services this weekend for Andrew's sake and for Christ's glory? I look forward to that great day when we can celebrate Andrew's release and return to the United States. God bless you and remember that he is risen. Jeff Jeremiah, stated clerk of the uh, EPC. Uh, those of you who are interested in more information about the Brunsons, you can follow them uh, on Facebook. Um, They were arrested together as a husband and wife, uh, again, in the aftermath of the coup. She was released after 17 days and shows she's been uh, offering daily updates uh, on on Facebook about about what's going on uh, there in Turkey. Uh, Yesterday, she posted this. In the days before we were arrested, it's it's time to come home had come to Andrew's mind several times, he rebuked the thought, thinking Satan was threatening an early death. Once we were locked up, he remembered the phrase and then thought it may be from the Lord, giving it as an encouragement that this would not go on forever, but would have a happy ending, that there was a coming home. So we have been praying according to that. We are also asking for an December 12th release date, though not our will, but the Lord's will be done. May the Lord accomplish all his purposes for Andrew's heart, for the church's heart, and for Turkey's heart by the time he is released. And then 
this morning she posted, and may he accomplish all his purposes in me and in our children as well by the time he is released. I don't know what all those purposes are, but surely they include bearing more of Christ's nature, knowing him as he really is, and trusting him more. The Brunsons have been in Turkey since 1993, so they are very um, uh, long time engaged uh, in their work there, uh, raising up uh, a church that proclaims the name of Jesus. And so let us gather our hearts together in prayer and ask for God's mercy. Father God, we do appeal to you this morning and we ask in a special way that you be with uh, Andrew Brunson in prison. We pray that you would be his light in the midst of darkness, that you would be his peace in the midst of uncertainty. We do pray for his wife and children who are fearful and anxious for him, helpless uh, to be able to care for him. We pray that you would sustain them during their time of uncertainty. Lord, I do pray for um, the Republic of Turkey, that you would bring uh, stability into that country. Uh, we pray that you would uh, work in the minds of government officials to allow Andrew's release. We pray as well for all who labor under the darkness of Islam, that they might be freed and they might see the truth of the gospel and come to know Jesus, not as a prophet, but as Lord and Savior. Lord, we pray that even in this trial, that you would bring glory to yourself because you alone are worthy, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Our gospel reading this morning comes from John chapter 4. I will read verses 46 through 54. Hear the word of God. So Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee, where he made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday... At the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed, and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Let us pray. Almighty God, you know us, and you know what we need this morning. You know us and you know what we need better than we know ourselves. You know the word that we need to hear. You know the healing touch that we need to feel. I pray that you would speak your word through your servant. 
Bring light and clarity to our minds. Bring peace and joy to our hearts. Grant that we would understand you more clearly, enjoy you more deeply, and serve you more fully. For in you we live and move and have our being. You are our God, and we are the sheep of your pasture. In your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen. My sermon this morning only has two points, and I will give them to you right up front in case you want to nod off a little bit later. Point number one is sometimes the things that we want most are not the things that we need most. And point number two, what we need most from Jesus is not razzmatazz, but the Word of God. In our reading this morning, an unnamed official from Capernaum has come up to Cana, where Jesus is, and he asked Jesus to leave Cana and to travel to Capernaum and there to heal his son who is sick and is at death's door. Jesus' response to this official, to this father, are not at all encouraging. Some might find his response cold and unfeeling. Jesus says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And this is not the only place in the Gospels where Jesus complains about people only coming to him because they want some kind of miracle. Now you might be thinking, wait a second, Jesus. Hold your horses. I come to you pleading for your help because my child is at the point of death and you want to lecture me about some theological point? I've traveled 17 miles on foot to beg for one favor and this favor is not even for me, it's for my son and all you can do is upbraid me for my lack of faith? My goodness Jesus, that sure doesn't sound very Christian of you. You should be kinder and more sympathetic. That would be more Christian, don't you think? Oh yeah, but you are the Christ. And therefore, by definition, everything that you say and do is perfectly Christian. Oh. Sermon point number one. Sometimes the thing that we want most is not the thing we need most. Jesus, the great physician, has diagnosed this situation. And he has identified the thing that this official needs most. The official, the father, thinks his real problem is that his son is at death's door. He thinks his number one need is that his son be cured. But Jesus sees that the real problem is one of faith, and the official's number one need is faith, not a cure. Imagine you go to the doctor, and you say, doctor, I'm having terrible headaches. I want you to give me a prescription for your strongest analgesic so that I can get through my day. 
And the doctor, after a thorough examination, tells you that in fact you have a massive brain tumor and that you need immediate surgery. And you say to him, you are not listening to me. I don't care about the stupid brain tumor. I have terrible headaches. And I want you to give me some powerful drugs. Sometimes what we want most is not what we need most. The official comes looking for a healing, but what he needs is saving faith in Jesus Christ. Now just to be clear, both times that Jesus uses the word you in this passage, when he says Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Jesus is using the plural you. In standard modern English, you can be both singular or plural. And so to get the proper sense of this passage, we have to translate it into the southern vernacular. Where we would say, unless all y'all see signs and wonders, all y'all will not believe. In other words, Jesus isn't just talking to this one unnamed official. He's talking to him as a representative of some larger group. Maybe he's talking to everyone within earshot. Maybe he's talking to all officials. Maybe he's talking about all Jews. Maybe he's talking about all sinners. I don't know. But what I do know is that Jesus is not just talking about this one man. Other people are also guilty of not believing Unless they see signs and wonders. Maybe you. Maybe me. The official, the father, has come to Jesus seeking a sign and a wonder. He's looking for a miracle. He's looking for something out of the ordinary. Some violation of the laws of nature. He believes that Jesus has the power to do remarkable things. Jesus has done other miracles and his fame has spread. And now this man in desperate circumstances has come to Jesus looking for Jesus to do something extraordinary for him. In some sense, we can say that the official, the father, has a kind of faith in Jesus. He certainly believes that Jesus can do miraculous things. That's why he's come all of this distance just to see him. There are lots of times when we turn to God to palliate our pain. Life throws stuff at us. Circumstances spin out of control. Our hearts and our bodies hurt. And when we decide that we have exhausted all of our other resources, when we've done all of the things that we know how to do, or all of the things that we have money to do, or all of the things that we have power to do, when all of that comes up short and we're still in pain, sadly, all too often, it's only then that we turn to God and ask for help. And... We usually only ask for the palliative, for the painkiller, when what God really is interested in is a deep and permanent cure. Sermon point number one, what we want most is not always what we need most. 
People cry out to God because their relationships are broken, because their bodies are broken, because their careers are broken, because their finances are broken. They cry out to God asking for a sign and a wonder, for some kind of miraculous intervention into the natural order. And why? Usually so they can go back to being comfortable again. So they can go back to the status quo so that they can take up their accustomed position in their easy chair. What we want most is not always what we need most. What if the discomfort in your life is there so that you might realize that this life And this relationship and this job and this body is not what matters most. What matters most is a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The official, the father, goes to Jesus looking for a cure for his son. But what he gets instead is salvation. Eternal salvation. And not only for himself... But also for his whole family. Not only was he saved, but his wife and his children were also saved. And those are people that you will meet one day in heaven. Now let me be clear about something here. That boy that Jesus healed in Capernaum, he died. Now, maybe he didn't die of the fever that he had at the time that his father went to see Jesus in Cana. But I can assure you that boy died. And his father died. And his mother died. And all of his brothers and sisters died. And I mention that to you just to give you a little perspective on faith healing. God has the power to heal bodies. It is appropriate to pray for healing in our bodies. But those healings only delay death. They only push back the inevitable parting of body and soul. And what follows the parting of body and soul, which we will all face one day if Jesus tarries so long, what follows the parting of body and soul is a face-to-face interview with Jesus Christ. And how that face-to-face encounter goes with the judge of the world depends entirely upon whether or not you knew him as Lord and Savior before your body and soul went their separate ways. The time to get right with God is now. There are no second chances after death. God gives us ample opportunity to know Him, to call on His name in this life, and the decision that we make about that offer, that free offer, has eternal consequences. The boy died. Yes, Jesus healed the boy of that life-threatening fever. But the boy eventually died. What's more important than the healing from the fever, what is infinitely more important is that boy now lives eternally with God because he came to know and to place his faith in Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, we hear Jesus say, Seek 
first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What are all these things that Jesus promises to be added to us? Well, there are things like food and clothing and housing and jobs and relationships and health. All of that stuff that we need for our everyday temporal lives. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. Those eternal things. Seek the eternal things. The eternal kingdom. The eternal righteousness. And all of the regular stuff that we need in our temporal lives. Well, that will come along as part of the deal. Sermon point number one. Sometimes the things we want most is not the thing that we need most. What we need most are the eternal things. And if we look for them, God is faithful and will provide all of the rest. Sermon point number two. What we need most from Jesus is not razzmatazz, but the word of God. Watch carefully what happens in verse 50 of that chapter. We read, Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Jesus does not give this man a sign or a wonder. Jesus does not go with him down to Capernaum the way he was asked. Instead, what Jesus does is he speaks a word. And here's the critical point. The man believes the word. How do we know that he believes the word? Because he gets himself up and he goes to home. Because he acts on the word that Jesus spoke. We see in this single verse... The biblical sequence of faith. It is a pattern repeated over and over again throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Please note this sequence. Word, belief, action. Word, belief, action. Jesus speaks the word. The man believes the word. The man acts on the word. That's what faith Looks like. Let me say it again because it is so important for you to understand the biblical sequence of faith. Word, it always starts with God's word. Belief, that's our internal, intelligent response to the word that we have received and understood. And action, that's our hands and feet, that's our mouth, that's our will. Moving into action. Word, belief, action. Jesus speaks the word. We believe the word. And then we act on that word. That's faith. That's saving faith. That's faith that grabs hold of eternal things. That's faith that brings in its wake all of the temporal things that we also need. Faith, the faith sequence stands in stark contrast to what we might call the magic sequence. When Jesus complains about people wanting to see signs and wonders, he is frustrated by their desire for magic. Here's the magic sequence. 
signs and wonders, belief, inaction. Signs and wonders, belief, inaction. God does a sign. He performs a miracle. And we say, gee whiz, that's terrific. Thanks a lot, God. We believe in you. And then we don't do anything. We go back to our easy chair until it's time to ask God for another sign. That's not faith. That's called magic. And God is not in the magic business. Faith is our active response to the Word of God. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 says this to the church, to us. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. May that be true of us this day. Let us pray. Father God, we pray that you would seal your word to our hearts. We pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would not be inactive. Pray that we would not be people who crave magic, but rather that we would be people of faith who hear what you say and then go do something about it. Lord, I, pr- I thank you this day that we have heard your word, that you have provided your word to us. We thank you for the scriptures which are as true this morning as they were 2,000 years ago. And we thank you that by the power of your spirit you speak through that word. We pray that you would seal that word to our heart and move us because of it, lest we be lost. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I'm going to invite you to stand up in case you're feeling sleepy and sing with me the communion hymn which is printed inside of your bulletin beneath the cross. <laughs>